Welcome to the Glass Half Full Moon, where if we didn't apply chapstick at every opportunity, Full Moon features would go out of business. I am your host this evening, Gabe, with my lovely co-host, Casey. Casey, how are you doing today? You know, I'm a little tired. A little bit tired? Do you need to go to sleep and get some, uh, have some sweet dreams? Yeah, I I could certainly go for a nap right about now, but, you know, sometimes, a lot of the times my philosophy is that if I'm asleep, I can't get into trouble, but I think, I think our movie of discussion today proves otherwise. Correct. Today, we watched a film known as Shadow Zone, and Casey, the question of the hour... Was this a good movie? I, so far we have watched three Full Moon features, and while this wasn't a good movie, it wasn't a bad movie, I would actually say it was better than Puppet Master, if only for the fact that some of the characters were pretty great, and they also had some really great character actors... But there were still some things that were just plain terrible. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a bit of a uh, contrarian opinion. I think this was a good movie. Not a great movie by any standard, but I think this was a good movie. By full moon's standards, this was a good movie. I'd say by just general B movie standards. Okay, you you know I see where you're coming from on that. I do. Um. I will say this was definitely better than Puppet Master. I would agree with you there. But it definitely was nowhere near in comparison to the movies that they stuck onto the poster. (laughs) No. In reference. um, On the poster, they referenced both Alien and The Thing. And the tagline I've seen repeated for this movie is, In Aliens, no one can hear you scream, but in Shadow Zone, that is all you hear. Which... I think they thought was really cool, but it's actually super lame. Yeah, a little bit. If if you have to reference another famous film in your in both your poster and your tagline, you obviously didn't have many high hopes for this movie and you were trying to get views by proxy. Right. And while we're on the topic of the cover of the film We should say that uh, it is the biggest lie in cinematic history. Yeah, I... Well, I've I've seen some worse ones, but I can't recall them at the moment. And I'm sure we're going to see worse ones as we go through Full Moon's catalog. But, you know, there are... it, It definitely has nothing to do, really, with the film. Except maybe the naked lady in the tube. Yeah, but the tube isn't even the same tube that's in... The, in the movie. I know. But you also have to consider this poster was drawn and they embellished it a lot. It's it's a pretty good poster, I will admit. It's, it's very interesting. But to get into the film proper, we actually start off with a bit of an improvement. Only a minute and a half of opening credits. And opening credits, yeah, that don't have weird music over odd still images. 
yeah, the the opening credits are actually used to forward the plot. It's 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 setting up the setting, and it's like giving you the location, and it's like showing you pick signs of like keep out government property. Also, you gotta love a place called Jackass Flats. They never explain that name. They they don't, but you gotta love a place called Jackass Flats. Oh yeah, I just I wish I knew how it got that name. Yeah, but you know, it's it's one of those government testing sites. They're never gonna tell you what it's for. So we move on and we get our, our main character of the movie, a man by the name of Hit Hickok? Hickok. Which honestly I I was like, that that name's a pain in the butt. So we got Captain Hiccup. <laughs> yeah, let's just call him Hiccup. And he's been brought to Jackass Flats, and we meet another character by the name of Shivers, which I can only assume is because he's got some kind of disorder that causes his hand to be shaking. Well, I mean, it's either it's either that he's constantly a little shaky, um, he's an absolute scaredy cat, or it's both. Which we will find out later on in the movie, it's both. It's both. It's both. But Shivers picks him up. Um, he takes him to Jackass Flats, where we meet some of the other characters, and they actually do some... If I'm being honest, I'm kind of uh, happy with the world-building that they do here. Yeah. Because you go to the base, and uh, Shivers explaining, like, this is an old decommissioned army base, there used to be like 2,000 people running around, but now I'm the only one left to maintain it now, and I can't quite keep everything running. And it's, you know, genuinely some good sort of atmospheric world building. And then they, they introduce the worst character in the movie, which is Dr. Earhart. You think she's the worst character? I think she's the worst. Okay. Interesting. I think she's the worst because all of her line deliveries are incredibly flat. Like, it seems like her only point to the film is expository. Much like Gina was in Meridian. (laughs) Right. Her only uh, point is exposition, and then later on she serves as a Dr. Pretorius-style character. And also applying... A vigorous amount of chapstick. Oh, there's so much chapstick. Okay. So do you want to know a fact about that actress that I discovered while looking up this movie? What? She won an Oscar. For what? For One Flew, for one flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. She, won an, she was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? She was Nurse Ratched. She's she's Nurse Ratchet. Yes. Okay, that flat delivery now makes sense. Okay, this might actually be so far the most star-studded uh, film that Full Moon has because we've got Nurse Ratchet now and we've got two very um, notable character actors coming up later on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we get... We got Nurse uh, Ratched, who is um, Earhart. Who is Van Fleet's assistant. Who's Van Fleet's assistant. It has a weird line that's like, I I was uh, working with my husband and then he died, where 
Captain Hiccup is like, oh, I'm sorry he died. And she's like, oh, don't worry, I'm not. Yeah, that's... Which is, it's just a very odd uh, delivery that never really comes up again. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I was my husband's assistant, and then I wasn't. Which, you know, could be good characterization if it ever mattered. Yeah, but you know it's never going to matter. This is full moon, nothing ever matters. Nothing ever matters. But uh, we actually get a very fun uh, or very interesting scene where they're discussing over some food, uh, just general stuff. And they, one thing I did genuinely like about this movie is they never came out and told you, at least in the beginning, what's going on at the facility, why this guy is there, what the, what the, what the experiment is. They don't ever explain that, so they're just there talking about. Uh, whatever, and then all of a sudden the captain's like, and by the way, I'm going to need to see the body. And it's just like, whoa, okay, I'm in, I want to know, this is, you've successfully gotten me by the hook. It's like, wait, there's a body involved, what's going on here? Yeah, it's, it's, it's some good, like, drip feeding of information that just makes you kind of want to keep learning more about what's going on. And also the introduction of, like, my favorite character in the film, the cook, Mrs. Cutter. Mrs. Cutter, who was a whorehouse madam, apparently. Yeah, and decides to serve Shivers a rat in a rat trap for dessert, because she's like, what? when are you going to close my damn air vents because these rats keep getting into my kitchen? And then she's like, if you don't get it done within a day, you're going to have to start being careful with... You're going to start having to look in your food before you eat it. And it's just that she is so aggressive. I love her. Yeah, I, I can understand. It's, it's again, she's just one of those weird, quirky characters. I still love her. She's like my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we then we move on and we meet our I, yet another character, Dr. Kidwell. Who loves animals? She's got a she's got a pet monkey. She's got uh, some rabbits. I think some cats. I hear I heard meowing in that I, scene. I also heard meowing. I was like, where the hell are those cats coming from? But yeah, like apparently they're all her lab animals. That obviously once they got onto human trials in whatever experiment they're running, they just decided to keep them around. So now she's got rabbits and a cute little pet monkey named Bingo. Bingo. Bingo's a good boy. Bingo is a good monkey. But I gotta... There should... I feel like there is a way to... I feel like they would perhaps euthanize lab animals. In a normal setting, more than likely they would be euthanized, or they'd be rehomed in the case of, like, the rabbits or something. But, you know, this, this isn't a movie that cares too much about the finer details in regards to scientific principles. Fair enough. And also scientific um, procedures and whatnot, considering after they introduced Dr. Kidwell um, and her monkey, Captain Hiccup just decides, okay, take me to the body, and they bring the monkey into the morgue. They bring the monkey into the morgue, and they, well, first of all, they they find the body, and it's been, like, uh, autopsied, like, the... The the head brain cap is off and uh, there's there's or there's organs in the scale and the sink's super bloody. 
It's a good prop. I'm going to give him that. It's a good prop. It is a very good a very good uh life cast, I will say that much. But also my my big issue is like those things are so filthy. They would that is not sterile and also that monkey in that environment is a health hazard 100%. Your autopsy room is no longer sterile. Well, yeah, it goes it goes to a great scene where the monkey's like doing bongos on the brain. <laughs> It gets blood all over uh, Airheart. Yeah. Which I think is the first scene of Chapstick. I think that is the first time she applies Chapstick. I I should have I should have gone back into the Chapstick count on this one, but I did not have the time. It's at least five. I know it's at least five. It is at least five, and if she's not applying it, it's in her hand. But. They describe that this fellow was part of the experiment and died from a stroke who a stroke that originated from a hemorrhage in the premodal cortex. Now I know something about brain structure and there's no such thing as the premodal cortex. So already we're in it with the the science jargon. Yeah. But they say that the death was not experiment related. And that's a shitty lie, because if that's the case, why autopsy him? Yeah, it's like, that that makes no sense. Also, considering the way they explain the other test subjects as well later on, there's no way that he would have died not f- from experiment-related causes. Yeah, it's it's one hundred percent a lie. Now I'm just and now I'm thinking and realizing, if if he died from a stroke and these all this experimentation they're doing is based on brainwaves and stuff, why'd they open up his rib cage? Uh, for science. <laughs> we got well, we got all this extra time and government funding isn't gonna let us waste it, so might as well just see what's going on in here. <laughs> Woo! He must have really lacked McDonald's. Oh, so many chicken McNuggets. <laughs> Let's see what he had as his last meal, unwillingly. <laughs> so, uh, after oh, they autopsy the body, why are scientists suddenly southern? Because it doesn't. Because the film doesn't make them any less ridiculous. That is true. But we go forward. He, uh, Captain Hiccup, is is satisfied with the autopsy, and he. We move on, and we meet go into the experimentation room and we meet another character, Wiley, who I also very enjoy. I would say he's the best character. I do enjoy Wiley very much, but you also have to consider Wiley is noted character actor Miguel A. Nunez Jr., uh, Jr., who I know as Spider from Return of the Living Dead. Yes, I was I was going to let you pop that cork. It's He is... There's some names here. Yeah, for... For real, and it's and it's a shame because I literally every other character, every other like actor, main character actor has gone on to do a lot of other stuff, except for Captain Hiccup. His IMDb page doesn't even have a picture. <laughs> Maybe he was just one of those dudes that got like, is what is the equivalent of? Like how people will get workers from the side of the, from outside the Home Depot. What is the equivalent of that for actors? I don't know. Employment li- unemployment line. Oh no, <laughs> that's terrible. 
It's called a starving artist for a reason. Yeah. But we meet uh, Wiley, and he does such a blatant, like, product placement sip of his Coca-Cola. I noticed that, like, it too. Was so, <laughs> it was so it was blatant. super blatant. So blatant. <laughs> I noted that in my notes, like, Coca-Cola product placement. I was like, this movie was sponsored by Chapstick, and then they had a brand deal with Coca-Cola, too. Right. Uh, and then we uh, go into the actual testing chamber, and what we see is this underground base, there's these two pods. Uh, one of them has a woman, one of them has a man. And they are sort of in, like, a deep sleep. And they're both completely naked! And we get our... Uh, we get tits! Yes! I mean, what do you expect? It's an early 90s full moon feature. We need a tits counter. Because... In the three films we've watched, we've had five distinct pairs of tits. <laughs> I mean, they they were nice. They were a nice pair of tits. I mean, yeah, but... And to be fair to the film, they also f- show full schlong. Oh, yes. Like, it also... I also noted that in my notes, like, flaccid penis, front and center. At the very least, it's it's very clinical nudity. It is, but I'm also like, why were they not allowed to wear their pajamas? <laughs> because science. I mean, even science demands sacrifice. If they're testing dream thingies, like standard sleep studies, let you wear your pajamas. Why, why, why are they naked and just shower caps? Because this is nothing. This is nothing. Of a standard sleep study. Yeah. Yeah. But, so we meet Dr. Van Vliet, who is, besides having just a great name, is decorated character actor James Hong. Yes. Like, this this is definitely a very star-studded B-film. So good. You might... A lot of people will probably know him. He's the dad from Kung Fu Panda, like the goose. Yes. You did the voice for him. Yes. And a bunch of other smaller roles. He, he's a very well-known character actor. But we meet him, and he... And so they're talking about Dr. Earhart, and she leaves, and he's like, oh, yes, she's a great assistant, but can be a little bit uh, tricky at times. So I think she just needs a good... He does this motion with his hand that I'm not entirely certain as to what he was insinuating. I I think he's insinuating that she needs to get laid since she's been without a man for so long, apparently. I... But, you know, this is also a Chinese-American character actor playing a man with a Dutch surname. I was about to say, he does not look like a Van, F- Van Fleet. Yeah. So, I mean, good, good on Full Moon for not typecasting him. But also, Dr. Fanfleet's a major creeper. He's super creepy. He's so creepy. Uh, I specifically have in my notes, Van Fleet is a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, mine says, he's a creeper. Oh, yeah. We go into the actual science of the experiment a bit here, and I'm going to rip it to shreds. 
because they discuss, he says, we disconnect the brainstem from the cortex. Now, there is no part of the human brain just called the cortex. I assume he means the cerebral cortex, which is all of that good, sweet, thinky bit on the outside with the, all the wrinkles. That good, sweet, thinky meat. The good, sweet, thinky meat. And disconnecting that from the brainstem is just brain death. Or, or is just paralysis. I was going to say, at the very least, that is straight up... Um, I was going to say that would guarantee uh, turning your experiments into quadriplegics. But, no, you were right. That is full-on paralysis. Like, we're talking... Maybe the most you can move is your eyes. Yeah, you. if you're cutting it off right at the brainstem, that means there. You're, you're... I'm assuming it's a thorough cut. And it's you're just straight up going not going to be able to move your body. Yeah. But he says the vague line of, oh no, it's not dangerous. We do it digitally. What? <laughs> I mean, I feel like Reddit is a good way to digitally disconnect your cerebral cortex from your brainstem, but I don't know if they have that at this point in time. I I almost want to feel like he means, like, maybe laparoscopically? But, <laughs> maybe. but looking, looking at those facilities, they do not have the machines in order to do that, so... If he means digitally, I think he means like, oh, we we shut it down via an external source. We have some nodes or shit on the back of their neck that's like stimulating them to not. It, yeah, that's blocking those signals. I mean that that that's the only thing that makes any sense. But then again, this is a full moon feature. It's not supposed to make sense. I know, but what am I if I don't tear holes in things that were never meant to have tools in them? Yeah, but I mean, you, this also is the reveal of why Captain Hiccup is there, and at which point it actually starts to make a little sense, because NASA's interested in this experiment because of its potential use in spaceflight. Yes, this could potentially, if you could like just be like, okay, we're turning off your brain now, wake you up in like 50 years when you're at Mars, bye! Yeah, I mean, that would be exponentially... Um, less problematic for their astronauts in possibility. Um, like, your main issue would be the muscle, the muscle atrophy, of course, um, and then the life support systems. But, I mean, you're going to save a shit ton of money on food and whatnot. So, like, it makes sense as to why NASA would be interested in this and also makes sense for the fact that, obviously, this project has lost a lot of its funding, which is why it's on such a skeleton crew at this point. Oh yeah, and that's this is kind of why I say that this is a good B-movie. is because even though it's full of, like, nonsense, bullshit, science mumbo-jumbo, on a base level, all of the plot points and the story beats and, like, all the things you're supposed to get make sense in, like, a logical sense, mm -hmm. right? Unlike something like Puppet Master or, God forbid, Meridian, where it's, like oh, I guess this is happening now because we need the plot to move forward? Yeah, no, everything so far has made a lot of sense. Such, w 
also with like hiccups uh um asking to recreate the experiment like obviously you want to see what went wrong science is trial and error on many fronts like was this a one-off issue if we recreate this will it happen again at that point we can pinpoint what exactly went wrong that makes total sense yeah it i kept i kept thinking throughout watching this was if this were a different director and maybe had a bit more money this could be a genuinely like great b movie like with just like a little bit different a little bit more competency a little bit more money Maybe we could have gotten there, but we it was just it, it was just a bad timeline for this movie. I would say so, yeah. But I think this also had the benefit of not having Charles Band directing it. <laughs> okay, we're just straight up calling, saying it how it is. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it had to be addressed. It had to be addressed. It had to be addressed. So, Captain Hiccup, he is like, okay, print me out the data that you recorded when the experiment happened and this guy had a stroke. And they're like, sure. I hand it to him and he's like, ah, whatever. This guy's not going to understand what the fuck the data means. Give it to him. And so he goes to sleep and he wakes up after shivers is like, hey, Captain, there's something you need to see. And they go and they start crawling through the vents and they get a scene of, like, all the Doctor characters dissecting these bodies all of them naked except for their aprons not no not all of them not all of them i think van fleet was the only one that was naked oh they were all in very limited clothing at the very least yeah but van fleet was definitely super naked except for his apron which you know very progressive very progressive of full moon <laughs> and we get a scene where Earhart is like, hey, doctor, would you like to eat? And she's holding up a still-beating heart. And then we realize, it was all a dream. Dream sequence. But, unlike in Puppet Master, a, a nightmare is thematically, thematically relevant. Also, I, yeah, I will say this. This is like the first full moon feature we've watched that has equal opportunity nudity. I hope to see more of it in the future. As do I. As great as boobs are, you know, if if you're not balancing it out with a little dick every now and then, you know, what's what's the point? Absolutely. And I mean a little dick. <laughs> <laughs> so we move forward. We uh, go back. It's the next day. They're in the experiment room. And Captain Hiccup is like, I want you to repeat the experiment that happened on the other guy. If you if you are so confident that it is not the reason that this man died, I want you to do the experiment on this other man you currently have in the egg. They refer to the pods as eggs. And they are like, "Well, oh, fuck, uh, I guess I guess we got to do it." There's a good line delivery here from I think it is uh, Kidswell who's like the if the first time, it was an accident. If you go through with it this time, it's murder. And it's a, it's a tense scene where barely any action is going on. Yeah, and, and they're also starting to realize, oh crap, Hiccup's not as stupid as we think he is. 
oh yeah, he's not just some big, big army boy. But they set the machine to 31F, they start going through, they are like, oh, how I can't know how long we can hold it at these levels, Gordon. And then Hiccup is like, alright, I've seen enough. Good work. And they head on off, and everything seems to be okay. But then... Stop motion bulgy veins! Oh, look at the veins! <laughs> so many veins on his body. I don't know if that was stop motion, or if that was just literally, like, them drawing on the footage. Either or. But, I mean, I, I think it was stop motion just because of the way they they were shadowed. Like that that felt practical to me. Yeah. It was certain it wasn't a bad effect. Again. I don't think I don't think there's a single like bad effect in this movie. There's not they're not super great, but none of them are bad. Yeah, and then after we get our stop motion bulgy veins, we get head explosion. Head explosion. I rewinded it and watched it like three times. It was so good. Yeah, well it definitely was a good explosion effect. I'm putting, I'm putting, I'm going to come out here and, and be controversial. I'm going to say that was a better head explosion than Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall is, is great because it's bad. I'm, I'm saying, I'm talking purely on head explosion. Yeah, purely on practical effects. Yeah, it was, it was better than Chopping Mall. It is, it's, it is a great head explosion. And we get some scenes of them being like, well, uh, where's the override coming from? Oh, it's John Doe. Oh, no, the pipes are exploding, and Nickelodeon Gak is just oozing out all over the test facility. I saw that. I was like, why are the pipes leaking? It's ne it's never addressed. It never happens again. It's just that one random scene where the pipes start leaking goo. It's, it's Nickelodeon gag. It's they got it on discount. <laughs> no, it's it's not Nickelodeon gag because that's too expensive. It's it's Nickelodeon lack. <laughs> it's Nicholas Cage back fat. Ugh, that's that's horrible. <laughs> I thought that was my job to be the the horrible one. But we also we get some lovely like early internet style like not knowing how computers work here where Wiley is just typing questions into the computer and it's able to answer them like straight back to him. Yeah. I I noticed that too. I was like what do ask computer computer give answer? But I, I, I don't think that was actually the computer. I think that was actually the entity John Doe answering them using the computer's interface. Uh, true, but that doesn't excuse why he thought that just typing questions into the computer would <laughs> magically know. make the computer answer them. <laughs> I know, like the it, the way they were answered makes sense, but also like the the way they got there makes no sense. Yeah, it. But then again, it's the same as like in the thing where they have the the computer uh, simulation of if the the thing got out into a public square and starts corrupting things. Yeah. It's it's of the time. But 
they're like, okay, we got to get in there. We got to get the girl out. She's still alive. They go out and they, they are starting to get her out when they're like, hold on. There is another entity in the room with you. There's another living creature in there. And for some reason, Dr. Van Vliet locks everyone else out of the room and goes to deal with it by himself. Where we get the best monster of the movie, which is Pretty Princess Crown Monster. <laughs> I, I called her Tumorous Prom Queen. Tumorous Prom Queen. <laughs> Um, it's, it's so jarring. It's so random, and it's not explained until the very end. It's not explained until the very end. It's... I, I legitimately was like, I had to rewind it to make sure that it wasn't explained, and rewatch it. Because I was just like, well, why suddenly tumorous prom queen? But also, props, props to Shadow Zone for having a horror movie where the token black character doesn't die first. Right, it's the 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 evil scientist gets his comeuppance in the fir- in the first act. Yep, uh, Van Fleet is the first to die as the shutter for the uh, screen into the viewing area has been closed, and we hear his screams as this thing pounds numerous dents into the steel screen. It's a very powerful creature, and it, it is. They they re as much as I love uh, Tiara wearing Monster Girl. I really they really missed out on the chance of making it an effective scene of the don't show your monster until it's in the best possible light. Yeah, because they don't even show the monster for that long. It's only there for a second, but it, it's just enough to sort of ruin the flow. And even then, this isn't the monster's true form. It is not the monster's true form. Because as they are regrouping to figure out what in the hell is going on, Earhart explains that what they've discovered in their experimenting is that their uh, dreams can access parallel dimensions of sorts when you hit a deep enough sleep state. And this John Doe entity is a being from that other dimension that has used that state to cross over into our dimension. I'm sorry, did you accidentally start watching From Beyond in the middle of this movie? That's, yes, I, that's why when I told, when I watched this at first, I told you, this is a weird, like, love baby between From Beyond and The Thing, because at this point we also discover that apparently the, this creature can shapeshift it is used effectively once in the entire film but i just just a caveat to what you said because when you say a a love child between the thing and from beyond also understand that this is carried to term by full moon features i know which is very funny because actually um Empire Entertainment was the one who uh, put out From Beyond and was also founded by Charles Band. You can't you can't get sued for copyright if you're ripping off your own shit. <laughs> but to be fair, I also did uh, previously refer to Earhart as a Doctor Pretorius style character towards the end. Mm-hmm. It, it's very it's very similar. 
Yes. Um, we also get in this moment a a line that I love so much, which was Wily is like they're like, okay, well the monsters, the creatures in there, and they do another scan. It's like, well, it's gone. I can't, I can't get it on the radar. Why is that? And Wily's like, well, look at this. I had the computer analyze the organism's chemical structure, and I'm just, the 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 science techno babble in this movie is exceptional, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, like it it's just smart enough to make it sound like they know what they're talking about. But if you're if you're smarter than the average B movie watcher, you know that it's total bullshit. Right. So we get our uh, eventual task, which is we need to fix the generator because the power's out and the monster is is radio is lightly radioactive, which is for some reason keeping the elevator from working. Basically, the entire site shut down and locked itself um, to keep any potential radiation from leaking out. And right. this thing's just radioactive enough to trip that sensor into thinking, oh no. And for some reason, we then let Shivers have a gun. <laughs> Presumably the only gun in the facility, because no one else gets one. Yeah. And he does so well with it. He does terribly with it. <laughs> It's funny that you thought I actually meant that. <laughs> so Shivers has a gun. Everyone goes off to do their shit, do their tasks. They gotta go and find the imposter. This is just the prototype for for the Among Us style game. Like, of the there's an imposter among us and we need to go and do our thing. Yeah. But see, that's that's also why it feels like it's got nods to the thing. Because of that, it's like, oh, we need to find this thing, and realizing now that it can shapeshift, it's, it can take on these things that we already know, so... Yeah, it's it's not used effectively, but it is interesting. Because, mm-hmm. like, Shivers and Cutter are in the kitchen uh, getting food together to leave, and Kidwell is on search for her monkey bingo... And Hiccup and Earhart's in the control panel applying chapstick. She, her actual job is to keep the other test subject alive, but she's just mainly applying chapstick. And Hiccup and Wily are... Going to restart the generator. Right. And so Wily runs off. I forget why. He said he had to go to the bathroom. Fair enough. Like, legitimately, he said, Hiccup was like, where the hell did you go? And Wiley's like, I had to go to the bathroom. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> but Shivers also runs off, uh, leaving Cutter alone for another great scene, in my opinion, where Cutter is like, she kills one of the rats, and she's like, yeah, I gotcha, bitch. She's resetting the trap, and she's like, putting it far back into the vent. And she starts, like, getting her arm chewed on. She's, like, being pulled into the vent and, like, blood spraying out. And we get a scene of a giant fuck-off rat busting through the wall about to rip her to shreds. Also, I don't remember. When we see her corpse later on, is that wall busted still? Because I don't remember if it was actually busted still or if it was, like, 
total continuity error where it was just perfectly fine. I wasn't paying enough attention, personally. I wasn't either. I'm not even sure if the camera angle was in such a way that we'd be able to see that, but we get a giant fuck-off rat. We get more chapstick. We get Air uh, Kidswell, who's looking for her uh, escaped monkey, and she sees a rat and, like, falls six six feet to the ground and, like, breaks her back. Or she should have. And then she she finds her monkey. And she's like, oh, he's a good monkey, bingo. And Bingo's being a good boy. She calls back to Shivers, and she's like, hey, yeah, I got my monkey, and we're good, everything's cool. And Shivers is like, wait. The fuck? The fuck you mean you got your monkey? Your monkey's in the kitchen stuffing his face with grapes. And then we get a cameo appearance by the Sumatran rat monkey. It, <laughs> these these creature prosthetics aren't... I, I feel like the reason that we don't see more of them is because they're kind of shit. Yeah, but like they're kind of shit in a good way. I will say. I really wish we got more of the giant rat. Because... That would just see, seeing a gi- cutter like fight a giant rat would have been great. That does remind me. Let me look up something right quick. Okay, so this movie came out the same year as Graveyard Shift. I wonder if it's the same prop. Graveyard Shift? Stephen Kane's Graveyard Shift involves a bunch of miners facing off against some giant mutated rats. I wonder if this is the same prop. I mean, it's got the same eyeless look. I would say it's a, it's, it's a non-zero chance. Yeah. I will say that much. But I still find it very hilarious that it's like, oh, I've got your monkey here, and then boom, Sumatran rat monkey. Yeah, it's, so it's not like hunting things down in the way that the thing is in the thing. It's almost like it's playing pranks. Yeah, a little bit. Like the th- like in the thing, the alien is trying to assimilate people when when no one's around. But he but the the creature in this movie could have easily killed her at any point, but chose to only do it once she knew it was an imposter. Yeah, it's 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 playing with its food. I I guess. I guess. But we move forward and Shivers fucking sucks. He sucks so hard. Yeah. Because he he starts losing his shit and just starts wildly firing at the walls. Cause a water a bit of water dropped on his hand. And I and I did a and I did a I did an account and he shot like fifteen times. Uh, or at least sixteen fifteen. Upwards of 20 if we count the ones where it shows people running to help him as separate shots. And I and I looked it up specifically, the, the kind of shotgun he was using only has like a handful of shells that can be kept in at any given time. So he had like the best pump action shotgun ever. <laughs> it just had a fucking TARDIS of shotgun shells. Infinite shotgun. Infinite Shotgun. I will. I would play that game in a heartbeat. <laughs> Eternal Shotgun of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> but we, we shivers. Uh, fucking explodes. 
I, I noticed that. I was like, we... Shivers gets to shooting, and then we find him again uh, being discovered by the others, and he just straight up exploded. Like, no one knows how in the world he actually died. He, like, they just find, like, tattered bits of stuff everywhere and blood all over the walls and his glasses on the floor. He just straight up exploded. And we get another one soon after that because Wiley and um, Hiccup are running away from the creature and they run to an elevator and Wiley is fixing it and uh, Hiccup gets inside when the elevator door closes and Wiley's on the other side and he seems to explode as well around the monster. He gets pulled away off screen and then straight up explodes. This movie has so many like human like eviscerations and detonations like and I'm here for it. I'm super here for it. I think that people exploding is such an underused kill in a lot of movies and I and I'm and I enjoy it. Does that make me a bad person? No, because that that reminds me that I'm going to need to give you a movie recommendation for later. Okay. Okay. If you if you like that sort of stuff, you're yeah, I've got a movie for you to watch later. But moving on, Hiccup uh meets back up with Airheart. And she's just like, "Where is everybody?" He's like, "They're all dead." And then she applies more chapstick. I it was at this point in my notes, I was like, "Okay, what does the chapstick symbolize?" Indeed, there there has to be a deeper meaning to this chapstick. <laughs> Is she, like, covering up her sins via the use of, like, a, a gelatin-based lip gloss? Like, her main role through the movie has been exposition and chapstick. Because at this, at this point, she's been analyzing things, and she explains why the beast, or the entity, or John Doe, whatever it is, because this, this thing was named... It was given the name John Doe. And she explains as to why it took the form it did when it killed Van Fleet. Because, like, apparently that tumorous prom queen was a sideshow geek that terrified him as a kid and gave him nightmares. So it's like, oh, this thing can look into our memories and take our deepest fears. Kidwell was looking for her monkey, and so it took the form of her monkey. And she's just like, it's amazing. This Earhart is a Dr. Pretorius straight up. She sings the praises of something she barely understands. Right. It, it's actually a great great scene where she's going on about the it being the ultimate intellect and it has oh it's all about the purity of self-preservation and and it, later they start to talk to it because they're talking to it through the machine and hiccup is like okay well what does it want and she's like well i don't know let's ask it you, you are just praising it as ultimate intellect and you don't know what it wants so they're just like, ask computer question, get computer answer. They're like, what you want to go home? Why? I'm dying. And it's a great scene where Hiccup is like, yes. <laughs> it's just like, let it die. And then Earhart is like, no, we, we must let it return home. And so they begin to 
repeat the experiment once more on their final test subject to open up this portal or whatever. But also just imagine the fact that this, this lady got paid to just lie on a bed being naked and twitching every now and then. Like, she got paid just to do that. Oh, yeah, she got she got a really good deal. Um, <laughs> they do explain why they need to help it, which is that the thing is, like, in the systems, and if they don't help it, they won't let it go. They won't let them go, or they'll just sort of cut off the air or whatever. But, yeah, their whole thing is, like, we need to give it, send it back home. And... They do. They do the experiment. There's like a tense scene of like where you think the lady's head is going to explode, but it doesn't. And we get a scene where a portal opens up. It's it's just a big, a big old just red glowing blue line in the room. And uh, Earhart does the ultimate in the scientific method, which is just to fucking poke it with a stick. Well, no. First... First, we see a close-up of the monster in its natural form. And this thing basically looks like a slimy tumor covered in fingernail clippings. It's so gross, and not in a good way. <laughs> like, also, you know what's always kind of irked me about monster designs? Why do they give them human-like hands? Our hands are the way they are because we evolved to this point. Even modern apes don't have hands like ours. Like, they're they're much more palm with fingers and whatnot. It makes no sense for any monster to have um, human-like phalanges and whatnot. Especially one that seemingly exists on a plane of pure, like, consciousness and thought. And also looks like a tumor with fingernails. It looks like a melting boglin. I thought it looked like a tumor covered in boogers and fingernail clippings. It looks like a jack-o'-lantern made out of a living human head. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then, yeah, Earhart goes, is like, I gotta see this! And she goes and looks into the portal for science after poking it with a pipe. And she she jumps inside it without Hiccup realizing because he looks back at her and she's gone. And then she hops back out. She's like, there are thousands of them. And they decide to stab her through with the pipe they stole. Right. And then we get a good scene of like the monster staring down, staring down Hiccup. And <laughs> he just starts to go to town on all the technology just well, to like shut it down. Well, no, that's... Yeah, that that too. And then the monster just, like, holds onto Earhart and just screams at Hiccup, and I'm just like, I would scream too if I looked like that. Yeah, they could have really done a cool, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers style, like, style, like otherworldly scream there, and I think that could have been effective. But instead it just kind of goes... And it's very unfortunate. Just uh, but so yeah, it goes back to its home dimension and takes uh, Earhart's corpse with it. I'm going to eat this later. <laughs> mm, snackies for the road. <laughs> but it, the lady eventually wakes up and like think of think of the emotions running through here in that moment where you just you went to sleep and now you've woken up and everything's destroyed and there's a stranger staring at your tits 
<laughs> Nakey wakey. Hey, wake up. Everyone's dead. <laughs> and she's... And of course they end it in one in a very cliche way in that she's asking, what happened? And Hiccup says, it's a long story. And that's when they roll the end credits. Roll credits. And that brings us to the end of Shadow Zone. So, Casey, was it as good as Alien or The Thing? Nothing's as good as The Thing. Nothing as good as, as good as The Thing. I agree with you there. Overall, a decently watchable movie. If you're if you're in the mood for something dumb and a little cheesy. Yeah, if you like B movies and you specifically like B sci-fi. I think that this is definitely one of those movies that you're going to want to add to your watch list. It's definitely, it's not the worst. It's not the worst, and there's some pretty good scenes and some good, uh, actually good uh, narrative stuff going on. And some pretty decent practical effects at points. Right. But there is just uh, also a lot of problems and a lot of bad things that do keep it from being a truly good movie. But, I mean, we're not here to talk about good movies. No, no, we're not. That being said, on our next episode, we will be looking at 1990's Crash and Burn, going back to a film directed by Charles Band. Apparently, it's the sequel to a film called Robot Jocks, but it has nothing to do with that movie, so we're not going to bother watching that first. So, yeah, look. Look forward to that in our next episode. In the meantime, don't forget to apply your chapstick. And maybe properly dispose of your fingernail clippings. You know, you can do both. You can do both. (laughs) Well, I wish you all an absolutely horrible evening. And we will see you all next time. Bye! Bye!